With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There we go. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. You know, no problems here. You know, and, uh, you know, nothing ever happens in late August, right? You know, nothing in the hockey world is boring and, you know, everybody's just counting the days until training camp. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we have some stuff to talk about, but we'll start first with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. All right, so let's talk about the New York Mets because they haven't been talked about enough this year. Um, so lately with uh, Javi Baez, and this wasn't the first time the other day. He's done this a few times. He's doing a thumbs down when he gets on second base or home plate or whatever. The Mets usually do this when they get a hit or whatever, and he's doing the opposite. And the reason he's doing the opposite is because of fans booing him. And with the fans booing him, he decided, well, you know what? We're going to boo you. And this is our way of booing you. So when we do well, you're going to have to do better. And it's like, and I've spoken to a few people. I was, I was, you know, at Flyers camp. And so I've spoken to people who had still cover Major League Baseball. And this is really the problem. I'm not even going to put it all on Baez or Lindor, who decided to do it too, even though he's got a 660 something OPS mm-hmm. and is not really the worst. A year of his career, but he's hitting like close by Erica territory when he was with the Mets. Uh, the issue is, is that today's Major League Baseball players are so far removed from the fans that they don't understand what makes a fan tick and what angers a fan and what how fans think. And based on that, they feel like, hey, you should be cheering us every minute because otherwise you're putting pressure on us. And my answer is Mike Piazza, when he became a Met, there were tons of expectations. There was a bad team. For two weeks, maybe two and a half, he didn't get a hit. Mm-hmm. And people started to boo him. All of a sudden, it clicked. Piazza started hitting. He never got booed again. That's how New York works. That's how a lot of towns work. And, and Kev, I, I, I brought up the example of uh, a guy like Giancarlo Stanton with the Yankees. Uh, he, his, uh, his career with them has not been great, and he's been booed. Uh, at mercilessly at times, but he, there's never been a reaction going forward. I mean, people don't realize in baseball, somebody who fails seven out of 10 times and has a career of 15 years is, a, is called a Hall of Famer. So, you know, it, it's I, I get why fans react the way they do uh, with certain players in certain key situations, but the player turning it around and making gestures to the fans. Yeah, I think Russ is right. They have lost touch with the reality and what and what's going on. Yeah, it's it's a good phrasing of that because they've, um, you know, they, they lack a basic understanding of how the system works. Like, you know, their multi-million dollar contracts uh, are based on uh, fan support. Uh, you know, without the fans, there, you know, there's, uh, um, you know, the revenue stream for baseball. Uh, whether it's watching on television or whatever, it just wouldn't exist. Um, and it's inherent within your contract, even if it's not written in there specifically, that, um, you know, you should, 
basically they're stockholders. Fans are stockholders uh, in what right. you're going on. And for them to, you know, like uh, what they're saying is, is we're booing the fans because they're not performing. Well, mm -hmm. that's whole concept is ludicrous. And if I was management, I would be steaming man about all this. Mm -hmm. I'd be but walking. That's the, other problem, Kev. So that, yeah. that's the other big problem. So for a, a website that I write for full price, I did an article three days ago and said that Luis Rojas should be fired. And I named out all the reasons. Well, this is now another reason because this should never have had to go to upper management to put out a press release. The manager should have nipped this in the bud when it started, but he didn't because he just lets the players do whatever they want, and that's how this kind of thing snowballed. And this is this is sort of conducive to the dysfunction that the Mets have been under. I mean, even though they have a multi-billion dollar owner in Steve Cohen, and he, I think, made a mistake in signing Lindor to a contract that he would never have gotten next uh, in, in the offseason based on the year that he's having. But, you know, he wanted to lock in an all-star shortstop. I get that. But – the dysfunction with the the general manager who was fired because of uh, uh, you know uh, harassing issues, uh, sending mm -hmm. pictures on 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 his phone uh, to you know a number of other things that have just really not fit with that organization. And now you know the new owner comes in, he's probably going to fire the uh, the existing. Uh, manager, the one he assumed, um, the roster could be in complete flux. Their best, their best player, one of the probably uh, a future Hall of Famer, and Degrom. The the health questions, and there's just a number of things that have just fallen apart here. And you know, I mean, Russ, they're more fun to watch than the '70s Yankees with Steinbrenner. Yeah, they're they're reaching that territory, uh, and it's not like the manager's causing all this because he's outspoken. The manager's causing all of this because he doesn't do anything. So then right. the players rough, run rough dot. They decide they're running the team. And then you get a situation like this. Now, people think, hey, this will just be in the news for one day and it'll blow over. It won't. No. It, it, this not is going to take York. like a week. Not New York. This will not take New like York. a week or more. Yeah, they'll dine in on this all. They'll dine on this all winter. But anyway, we want yes, to get uh, one more point on it. Just contrast that to what the Carolina Hurricanes did when they tried to engage fans with their, you know, post game celebrations and the fact that uh, they actually took a little uh, heat from, uh, you know, traditional hockey. But I mean, that's the, that's the re reaction that. Uh, you know that's what uh, teams should be doing and trying to connect fans these days, particularly yes. with um, you know in hockey where you know we have a flat cap because of uh, the pandemic. I mean, we're not the only league that's, that's having that. Whichever whichever league you're in, though, a player showing his displeasure to fans is never good news. I mean, I can always go back to the Patrick Roy um, times back in Montreal when he, you know, he lifted his hands to the sky after he was booed. And, you know, you just knew right then and there that something happened and it wouldn't go away just like that. So well, I'm not sure that's true though. It's always been news. Like when a player reacts, uh, I mean, it's happened before, but you know, we certainly, uh, report it when it happened. I'm not saying yeah. it's not news. I'm, I'm saying it's always been the case that it's oh, not good not news. news. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I just didn't hear as well. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, and then we'll, then we'll start the show. Uh, a okay player in Russ, no, you know, um, Brian Cox, who uh, mm -hmm. played for 
I think he played at the end of his career for the Jets, but he played for most yeah, of his career Dolphins. for the for the Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah. He came out of the tunnel at Rich Stadium with both birds flying. If you get my drift, yeah. um, he was an okay player, not a Hall of Famer, but an okay player. He's still hated to this day. If he walked on the field at at, 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 at I think it's called Highmark Stadium now, they'd throw snowballs at him. They hate his guts, and I think yeah. actually I think his son played for the Bills last year. But that's funny. Yeah, I think it was Brian Cox Jr. So, um, but we lost Kevin. He'll be back in a second, but. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I mean, you there's you there's no thing <clears throat> when it comes to a player reacting to the fan. All you're going to do is generate the ire of the fans even more by doing that. Yeah, I mean, as an example, Baez had a game where he struck out at least three or four times, had no hits. Does he expect to get cheered after that when teams losing games and he, you know, maybe has three, four home runs since he's become a member of the team and he's hitting below 250 you know what in what world do you think you know it's nice to be i get i get what players want it's nice when everybody pats you on the back and says you're doing great and everything else but i think what people forget is in the corporate world when you move up the ladder that doesn't happen and in the sports world when you make that kind of money it doesn't happen um okay let's get the show started here hello hockey world today is monday august 30th 2021. Uh, I'm Karen Nice. I'm the uh, <laughs> Canadians blogger on Akibaz. I'm, I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Kevin Allen, I believe, will be rejoining us any minute. Maybe he has some computer issues. Um, okay, we have to start with this, and that's why we brought Corinne on the show today, because um, – Jesper Kotkaniemi, third overall pick in the 2018 draft. Am I right, yeah. Russ? Yeah. Okay. Uh, figuratively, figuratively flipped the bird to the Montreal Canadiens by signing a one-year offer sheet uh, for $6.10035 million. Um, the, three, the, the, the 15 was his number, jersey number. The $20 signing bonus was – uh, a little signal from uh, Thomas Dundon and uh, the the Hurricanes that this was revenge for the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. And Corinne, let me start with this. Yeah. The revenge or the response to the offer sheet to Ajo from the Carolina Hurricanes should be a bouquet of roses and a thank you note. Yeah, they, they should actually because we got them to sign IO to a very reasonable deal, and I, so yeah, I this I isn't what it is. <laughs> I don't get no. this. Pe- I don't can I get this petty revenge bullcrap? Now, okay, I think the more interesting story here is from the Kutkinyemi side rather than the Hurricane side. We know the Hurricanes were looking to get back at the Canadians. I don't know why, but this is this is Dundon's. I think that was just good showmanship, to be honest. And the fact that they tweeted the news in French as well was just brilliant. I was like, yeah, nice troll job. No, seriously. You know what? You know what it was though, Karen. Yeah, it was like a corporate payback. Companies when they get in these little wars with each other, they do things like this, and that's how Dundon's used to playing in that kind of sandbox. 
And that's why he was good. I always knew, and I probably said it the day this happened, that it would be retaliatory. And that's what most of the time offer sheets are retaliatory. And that's why I always say never under the sign because you're always going to have one that's going to be, you know, get offer sheeted by the other team too. That's always going to be at risk. So it's always a risky thing with that. You know what I think, though? I think that uh, Dundon's feathers were ruffled when uh, Benjamin said that the Canes were vulnerable, more or less saying that they wouldn't be able to pay the uh, signing bonus. Right. And they've decided to show him what vulnerable vulnerable is now with that offer. Now, here's the the interesting part of this. Okay, first, Kotkaniemi is coming off his ELC. Mm. So this deal... uh, the compensation will be a one and a three coming back. Yeah. And I want to go on that one first, Corinne, because I, I, Elliot Friedman reported uh, a couple days ago that the Canadians, he wasn't sure whether they were going to match or not, but one thing that they might do in the interim in the six days that are now five days that they have is shop the one and the three that they would get in compensation for uh, for Kotkaniemi and try to get themselves a center who they like better than Kotkaniemi. Now, and then he mentioned uh, Christian Dvorak with Arizona, but what do you, what have you heard and what do you think of that theory? Well, what, what I what I have heard is is Dvorak like you and uh, Monahan has been mentioned as well, but he's got a no movement, um, modified no movement clause where you can list 10 teams he doesn't want to go to. Right. So I think that one is less likely, plus he's older, only signed for two years, whereas Dvorak is signed for four years at a 4.5 cap hit. Right. So that's quite team friendly. I don't see the Coyotes moving him for just that one and that third, though. And... Uh, the other thing that the Canes did very well there was make their first 6.1 million and not 6.1666 or whatever, because then the compensation would have been a first, second, and third. Right. So they've really right. they've handcuffed Bergevin there. It's it's brilliant work by them, to be honest. And uh, from the cut Kanyemi side, I, I can't understand why you would sign that. Because, you know, he's been in Montreal for three years now, and he's been saddled with, um, I'll say, offensively challenged wingers for most of the three years. And then he ended up being a scratch in the last two games of his Stanley Cup final. What's that about? I mean, if you look at his numbers, the guy is actually better in the playoffs than in the regular right. season. And so why are you going to bench him? You know, well, the, 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 the onerous thing here about, okay, and we'll talk about the cap ramifications in a second, but okay, Kotkaniemi, he only had 20 points last year in 56 games, five goals, 15 assists, and then scored five goals in the playoffs. You know, two years in a row, he's played better in the playoffs than he has in the regular season. But now with this offer sheet, no matter who, if they match or if they, uh, if they, they let Carolina have them, the qualifying, and this is more for Montreal, the qualifying offer for next year is 10% more than the, than his, than his salary, which is 6.7 million. And they were only offering him 2 million bucks, two and a half million bucks on a two year deal, Corinne. So that's, that, that's onerous. I think actually that the qualifying offer has to be 6.1 million because it's a hundred percent of base salary when you've signed after July 20th, okay. 2020, I think. But yeah, that, that is a big, big, big blow to the Habs because on the same year, you're going to have Suzuki who's going to yeah. need a deal as well. And if you give Kat Kanyemi 6.1 million, 
a player who had, like you said, 20 points. So in a regular season would have been on pace for a whopping 29 points, 6.9 million, uh, 6.1 million. What do you give Suzuki? It's just that, see, that's why I think that Bergevin cannot afford to match that offer. He can't because it's going to screw his um, salary structure. It really will. So Kevin, so Kevin, I I find the uh, while while you're coming back here, I find the Carolina point of view on this fascinating. Now Renault Renault Lavoie, uh came out on the weekend and said this was not a Don Waddell operation. This was Dundon. This was all Dundon, and this was I mean you could see by them changing the uh, the Twitter feed to uh, official hurricane. The Caroline or whatever, you know, whatever. You know, they changed it to French. They po posted an Uno card. You know, they all, all the, all this little trollish stuff. I mean, this was, this was, this was revenge for Aho. But like I said to Corinne, revenge for what? That was a deal that turned out great for Carolina by matching it. Yeah, I, well, I agree with you on that. But um, still, you know, they signed an offer sheet on their player, and um, one of the ways that you. Um, send a message you're not going to do this to us is uh, uh, you send an offer back on their players. And in this case, I felt like this is almost the perfect storm because they had a guy that they were very interested in, a player, Kokanemi, and uh, he knows players on the team. He is very interested in playing there. Right. They think he's ready to break through, whether he is or not, remains to be seen. Um, you know, They see him as a guy that could be plus 40 to 50 points. Who knows? Uh, whether that's true or not. They looked at the situation and thought they could uh, 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 give an offer that would make uh, Montreal think about it. Uh, and I think they did that with the 6.1. That's uh, not an easy decision. I've asked a bunch of people within the hockey world and everyone seems to be split. Some people say there's no way they're going to match. Some people say, oh, of course, they're going to match. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, what they're going to do, but uh, I think Carolina, I do believe it was Dundon. I don't think it was, uh, this was Waddell's plan, but I think he's more than willing to, you know, go along with this. Um, but I think uh, Carolina is happy either way. If they, uh, you know, if they don't get the player, well, they made an effort. They wanted to get him and they didn't get him. Um, and if they do get the player, they're very fine with that. I, you know, as it was explained to me, they think they're going to finish high in the standings. They think this will be a late first round pick. We keep adding teams, which makes you know later round picks, uh, uh, you know, more and more or less valuable if, if there is such a sentence. Uh, so uh, it's a fascinating thing. I'm also amused too that it seems to be split down the middle. Some people think this is kind of a sophomoric, babyish thing to do by Carolina, and some of us are very entertained by it. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I, I'm not offended by all this. I think it's kind of fun. Oh, actually. it's great! It's great content. I mean, I love I love talking about this. And, and Russ, let me just ask you this because we we sort of debated, uh, you know, on our little group chat over the weekend. I, I really think, and Corinne references, I really think Kutkinyemi has been mistreated by the Canadians organization over the th first three years. I mean, okay, maybe he hasn't played. 
you know, consistently in the regular season. But we said it three years ago. They rushed a number, an 18-year-old number three overall pick into the NHL for no reason. They could have taken a little more patience with him. And he had a decent rookie year, and everybody said, okay, you know, he's going to be great. But no, when you rush it, unless you're an Austin Matthews top of the draft, unless you're somebody who's for sure going to be a fantastic player, Playing somebody at 18 years old is is not some for some players is not a good idea, and I think he has, su- he has suffered inconsistencies in his game because of that. But the organization has also been really tough on him as well. Yeah, I we we said it right away. He shouldn't have been the guy that was thrown right into you know into the fire like that. I didn't like that idea. Uh, as far as him also being like a, a young Finnish guy, you know, at 18 years old. Teams, some teams get it and some don't as far as there is a big, big change for these guys in their lives, their everyday lives when they come to North America and especially when they go to a city that, you know, also speaks another language, that that has a stress level for a young player away from the ice. We can't look at all these guys as robots. And I'm not sure that's ever settled in for him because of the way – He's been treated there. Now, he's had multiple coaches, which is never good. Right. And like Corinne said, he was really good in the playoffs. Now, what do I think his coach did? I think he fell back on what a lot of coaches do and decided, I'm going to play somebody who's better on defense and, and a little harder to play against. Okay, but he was one of your better offensive players, and you gave up on that. And this year, I did see him using the body a little more. So I do see some changes in him that – I don't think are getting noticed by the average, you know, fan maybe, and and maybe even by the coaching staff, like not enough. And you know what? You could only change a player so much, but this kid has a load of talent and he does have friends uh, in Carolina, like Kevin said. So if I were him, I'd assign that deal too, just on the off chance that I could be out of there because yeah. mm-hmm. it's not going great for me. And this is the payday I deserve. Worry about next year, next year. Like I would take the raise too. I mean, Corinne, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, what I did notice, though, as well, is that somewhere around mid-August, it removed any mention of the Canadians on his uh, social media accounts. There was a big, um, big commotion last year when uh, Max Domi did that, or two years ago, right. and uh, it didn't happen with Kotkaniemi. It's like nobody noticed. But what's uh, what's really not shocking, but what really surprises me in this whole thing is that apparently the Canes were trying to trade for Kotkaniemi. So Bergevin knew that they were interested, and yet he allowed himself to stay in that very vulnerable, you know, position. Well, he knew enough sheet was possible. If you know that they're interested, what are you doing? Corinne, let me let me ask you a question on that because yeah. I mean we we heard prior to the offer sheet that there was negotiate that negotiations that sort of broken up because they were way way off in terms of amount. Mm-hmm. I heard the rumor that uh, that Elliot Friedman reported was they were talking a two-year deal at around two and a half million and now he signs an offer sheet for over six. Yeah. Um the the, the 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 reports were that they had talked trade with Carolina and that they weren't even close. And I'm looking at Carolina with their with their roster, they have Trocheck they have Aho. They have a young center in Martin Neckish. I would assume probably the Canadians would, with their center situation after losing Deno and having yeah. Suzuki, that they'd probably want Neckish in in return for Kotkaniemi. I, I don't know what the what the the ask was, but I mean, it apparently it wasn't even close. 
I don't know, but yeah, that would have been uh, an ideal scenario for the Habs. But what what's really um, how can I say kind of strange is is you know there's no way he couldn't have had more than a first and a third if he was he shopped him around the league right. and then he waited to be in this situation. So that I don't get. But also um, the the the. Uh, sorry, I've lost what I was going to say there. That's good. Okay, that happens. Um, I thought that only okay, happens to me. <laughs> the only thing I would add, Corinne, is a first and a third sounds nice, but when you have a center shortage, it's yeah. not enough. Yeah, yeah I know it's not enough, and now he's stuck. To, you know, he can only have that compensation or match the offer sheet, which he doesn't want to do. But the one thing I, I found what I wanted to say earlier, it's the Canadians' way to do business. Though, whenever a player comes out of his entry-level contracts, it's up bridge deal, and that's that. You're an RFA. You don't have much weight. You can't negotiate with us. This is what you're gonna get. They did that with Gatching out. They gave him a two-year, two-point-eight deal. Yeah, and those of my probably thought, well. Here you are, you're getting 2.5. That's that. Don't annoy me. This is the offer. Take it or leave it. A well, bit like you did with Markov and uh, Razulov. Right. This is the money you're getting. Otherwise, True. nothing's happening. I mean, Corinne, the thing is, is that right now, if they don't match, their number two center is Jake Evans. I know. I know. That's, I mean, that's not that's not a good that's not a good situation. No. So and, and the and the other thing, and uh, Kevin brought this up over the weekend in terms of the in terms of the cap. If they match, they're over the even with Weber on LTIR, they're over. So they're no, going to have Byron. Byron's not on LTIR yet, though. No, but Byron's not a, not a, a, a career-ending injury. He's going to no, come. No, it's not career-ending, but he's going to be out for at least six months. So I think he okay. can go out. Well, I think it's December that he's expected well, back. It's not even six months. They could buy they, buys they, them a bit of time. Yeah, they could they do could a pre worse. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to get better on April 15th. That's what what, what, one thing I would bring up, though. Um, because there has been a lot of buzz about the Dvorak, and he is available for the right price. Right. If they could somehow figure out a way to do that, right. um, you know, they they come out of this um, uh, smelling like a rose because Dvorak is a very consistent player. Yeah. Like maybe yeah, but I don't think he's a second line center, Kev. That's the well, I, well, no, but he's better than Jake Evans. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah, that. He's and he's, he's yeah. but he's a very cons very consistent scorer. Like you look at his numbers, he you know they've been. Uh, you know, good. I mean, he's not great. Uh, his upside isn't as high as Coach Kinyami, but uh, you know, this, plus there's cost certainty. You know what he's going to be for the next four years. The problem is, it, you know, I agree uh, that you, you're not going to get him for a one and a three, so you're going to have to pony up a little bit more to do that. But you know, that wouldn't be a bad option for them if that uh, uh, comes to that, because centers just aren't available. No. Yeah, and no. that what I think is that if Benjamin doesn't find a way to go and get sentiment you know that it makes this mistake even bigger than it is already because if they start the season with jake evans on the second line it's just like what are you doing are you just planning on having a good draft because it's going to be in montreal because that's what it looks like well, no but seriously I mean, eric stall still out there corinne um, oh yes i want to say i want to say the last montreal draft i think it was louis leblanc that was their pick yeah, it was. That didn't turn out very well. Wasn't that just great? Let's make people happy and pick the French-speaking guy. Yay! And the fans haven't even learned since then, because whenever there is a French-speaking guy available, Sibbois earlier this year, it was like, get him, get him. 
Do you remember the, uh, the the cloak and dagger that happened when they revealed Peter Svoboda as the first round pick back in the day? That I mean, Corinne, you probably weren't born at that point. But, no, but I've read about it. Yeah, in no, it Phil was a book, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was wonderful. Anyway, let's go around the horn quickly here, because since we don't have a final resolution on this, and I'm sure we'll keep getting updates over the next. You know, I don't know when. You know, the official decision is going to be announced. Maybe Montreal stretches it out the full seven days. I think they'll take their time. They're going to stretch it out. But Corinne, do you think they'll match or do you think they'll let him go? I think they let him go. They can't afford to match it. They they just can't because, you know, it throws everything out of whack. He would be the second highest paid winger uh, forward on the Canadians behind Gallagher. That, That. doesn't work. I think they're going to do it out of necessity, and I think they're going to put Byron on LTIR or whatever they can do with Byron because they know he's not coming back for a while, and I think they're going to finagle it. Kev? Yeah, I think they're going to let him go initially. I thought they were going to keep him, but um, from what I'm hearing, I think they're going to let him go. Okay. Um, I I th- I've been going back and forth on it. I think they're going to let him go. I, I, you know, if they can, I think that Bergman is going to expend all of his energy over the next five days to seeing if he can find an option out there as a center uh, to to fill the fill the 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 because he just really can't, you know. Put Kotkaniemi in there at six million, and like you said, Corinne, the Suzuki contract is looming. What are you going to pay him eight now? Because yeah. It, you know, it's it just puts him in. Well, a he's a first line center, so you probably pay him. You're probably going to have to pay him seven. Uh, well, yeah, but you have to give him even more if you give that to Kotkaniemi. Right. You can't afford that. Just yeah. It's only for one year. You can worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but then the qualific. Uh, qualificating uh, offer is the same next year, six point one. So you don't have a choice, trade them, right? But they they could trade them before that. And no, 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 no. One year you can't trade after yeah, matching an offer. Oh, once okay. you match, he's got he can't be traded. So, all right. Um, in other news, uh, John Shannon reported uh, about a couple hours ago that uh, he said multiple sources confirmed that a decision for NHL players to appear in the Beijing Winter Olympic Games will come this week. No one is confirming the decision, but as I understand it, if the NHLers go, all players and traveling personnel will have to be fully vaccinated. And that last line, Kev, you would think that that's, that's a no-brainer, but – in Buffalo with Cole Beasley and a couple other players and throughout the NFL, and I'm sure throughout the NHL, there are, it's not a majority, but a sizable number of players who don't want to get vaccinated. And that will be, you know, it could be, could be star players. And you you could have a player like, I'm just, you know, I'm not saying that this guy is, but you could have a guy like Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid say, well, I'm not going to go because I'm, or I want to go, but I'm not going to vaccinate. So I can't be part of this. So this is a complicating thing if they in fact do go. Yeah. And then we went through this with the summer Olympics and, you know, if you don't want to go, you don't want to go. So, I mean, you got your choice and, you know, that's the way it is. And, uh, um, but you know, I'm, I'm glad they're going, or at least I think they're going, uh, but I've kind of felt all along because, but you know, players really have wanted this. Most players want to go to the Olympics right. and even the players that don't, I've spoken to so many of them that now have looked forward to getting this in season vacation. It's the time you get to promise your kids a trip to the Disney world and you can do it. So, um, you know, this, this could be a good thing, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, uh, society has uh, people that don't want to get vaccinated, so the NHL, I'm sure, has them as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, though. I mean, 
like it could really be disruptive uh, for uh, specific Olympic teams. You know, like, you know, Canada has overflow. I think the U.S. has starts to have a little bit of overflow of talent now, too, but not as much as Canada. But as you move down the ranks, you lose a key player. Um, you know, it's really meaningful. So, um, you know, I think the vaccinations uh, probably will have an impact. You know, the, the other thing about this, though, a problem that they had with the Summer Olympics, yes, all the athletes made it, but the athletes couldn't take all the people they wanted. Right. There was a blind and deaf swimmer who wanted two people with her, uh, and one of them was to basically take her to and from the pool and help guide her, yes, and that guy. person was not allowed to go because it went over the limit. And, and I think because her mother wanted to go as well. So it is going to be kind of interesting if they put limits on this. As well, they, as- they, they already have, Russ. I mean, they've, okay. the players have been notified okay. that, they, that nobody could go. And that was the issue The you know, basically the PA surveyed the players and said, look, it's, it's clear they're not going to allow, you know, people to go over. Is this something we still want to do? And will that keeps some players from playing then. Like, will that? No, I don't. Like- well, I mean, it could, but I, I don't think that will. Okay. Um, now, interesting, the, they announced the, uh, the groups for the, uh, the, the Olympic hockey tournament. And they have Canada and U.S. in the same group, Russ. It's Canada, the U.S., yeah. Germany, and China. China as the host country. And, I mean, China, we could we could see, like, one of those international – what was it, Kazakhstan that lost, like, 20-something nothing? To- yeah, Peter Forsberg's record is in jeopardy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Canada, U.S., Germany, and China in one group. Uh, the Russians, they have them under ROC, so I don't, they must be still under the ban. So it's like uh, – or OAR, Olympic Athletes. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, but that's not a, not a, not a country group, but, uh, uh, so OAR, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, and Denmark in, in the group B and group C, Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia. So can't, you, you we're, what we're going to have, like we have almost every Olympics, uh, Kev is a Canada U S match in the preliminary round. That will be completely meaningless to what happens in the medal round if they play. Well, it, it it will be meaningless, but it will you know it will determine seating, and that could be crucial. Um, you know, depending on you know what the other division looks like, depending on what who's on the roster, who's playing, and so forth. But um, you know, there's usually some um, importance to it just for that reason. But I mean, I agree with you in the overall scheme of things, it doesn't um, you know really matter. So yeah. at least at least they won't you know face each other in quarterfinals or. Right. Like so. Right. Now, um, the other uh, other bit of news, and like I said, we're gonna we're at, we're gonna have a shorter show today. Um, the, the report, Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News, uh, reported it yesterday. Uh, rumors had started to leak out over the weekend that a the the Heritage Classic, and I, I looked this up just to make sure the Heritage Classic has always been exclusively. Both Canadian teams, Montreal and Edmonton, and Montreal and Ottawa. There's, you know, and this year, if the reports are correct, the Heritage Classic will be in Hamilton at their new, uh, relatively new football stadium, Tim Hortons Field, and it'll be between the Buffalo Sabers and the Toronto Maple Leafs in a Buffalo home game, which tells me that the Leafs want to give up the gate 
at Scotiabank Arena. So they 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 put it on the uh, put it on the Sabres. Is not part of the Sabres season ticket package, which would indicate that they've held it in abeyance for a Heritage Classic. Now, um, Kev, th this is the thing that's a complicating factor, and I wrote, wrote about this. With the current restrictions with the Canadian-U.S. border, if they if they're still in place in March, they'll have to move this game because there's no way for a Sabres home game that you're going to find thousands of people being willing or the infrastructure being able to give PCR tests 72 hours before the game for everybody to be able to cross the border. If the restrictions are in place, there's no way they can hold this game. If the restrictions are in place, this game is the least of our problems. Sure. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, so, uh, I mean, because that is a long time. That's yes. spring and March. And, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I'm sure they're looking at that as a long-range uh, deal and uh, – um, you know, I mean, you can always just move it to the inside the arena and play the game, and if you had to, and and so be it. But um, you know, that it's almost like they threw Buffalo a bone a little bit because they know it's going to be such a mess there. <laughs> uh, you know, what a fun if that that game is, goes off as scheduled and being an outdoor game, having two uh, teams that can. And their fans can drive to it, kind of like what happened here in Michigan when we had, because that, that that to me that what made that game was all the Toronto fans um, trudging in. You know what was it? What's forgotten about all that is, you know, Michigan was in the midst of a terrible, terrible yeah. recession. Like I I'm a, I live across the street, even though I'm kind of <clears throat> a rural setting. I have five acres. Across the street from me is a very large subdivision. And about every third house was um, in bankruptcy and foreclosure during that period. Like there was no money whatsoever. And a lot of the Red Wing season ticket holders sold their tickets because the Canadians were offering so much money for them. Like they felt almost like they were obliged to do it. And people have said, called it even the number of fans, but there were more Toronto. Oh, fans. yeah. yeah I don't know. There, there were more Toronto. Detroit. But what I love, the part that I love most was, they were paying astronomical amounts to go see that game, but by God, they were not going to pay thirty bucks for parking. So they would walk. They no. would walk. I, you saw them because you know the snow was coming down, and they'd be walking with their heads straight forward, dressed in all their thing, just not refusing to pay that thirty or forty bucks. They park. You know, they marched two or three miles and parked for free. This is what I don't understand. When the less so it occurred when the uh, World Junior was here in 2018, but when the World Junior was here in 2011, that was when the Russians made that third period comeback and beat the Canadians. It was I think it was six five. Um, there was a big scandal regarding the uh, increase in parking around Key Banks, which now Key Bank Center. They were charging $50, $75. And Canadians, once they heard that, Kev, were parking in Fort Erie, walking over the bridge, and walking two miles <laughs> to the awesome. in January rather than pay. And, and I'm like, wait a second. Most of these people are coming from Southern Ontario, where if you go to Toronto, you're paying 30 bucks Canadian for parking. And they're, you know what it is? It was 30 bucks. It was 75 bucks American. That's what it was. But I also have to yeah, that's you, about five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm exaggerating. Like it became <laughs> treacherous to walk. It was it was slushy. It was freezing. 
Like, I wouldn't have wanted to walk. I remember I went down and went and saw the festivities and came up, and I felt like I got up there just in time because the walking was going to be so bad. But I think this is a terrible idea to have the Sabres in there because their TV is down 35%. That's how much they're down for their TV viewing. And if it's going to get shown in the U.S., which it will, it could be more this year. That's one thing. Another thing is what Mike said. And then the other thing is generally – the outdoor games, you want to market to fan bases that – to teams that are good and the fan bases will spend a lot of money. The Sabres have, fans have stopped spending money, so I don't know how many jerseys they're really going to buy. And this will be their third game too. So for people complaining, so this is where Kevin's right. They are definitely throwing them a bone because it's not like they owe them a game. They've already had their two games. Yeah. This will be a third game for them. Well, Bryn, yeah. is this is this a symptom of, of – uh... Canadian division hangover. They didn't want two Canadian teams because you just saw an entire season of Canadian division, Canadian versus Canadian, and you know they said let's 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 throw a bone to the Sabers. I mean, you know, you know, it's probably going to be two thousand Saber fans and twenty two thousand Lee fans. I don't think it is, you know, because yeah, it it got old to always play Canadian teams, but for outdoor outdoor games i don't see anyone you know being mad that two canadian teams would be playing one another right. I, I think it's what kevin said they threw a bone to the sabers i mean yeah. the poor fans have nothing to hope for right now no. Eichel doesn't want to play he doesn't want to be there that's their big player so what's going to happen to them this year god knows that's so, one yeah. last game that sabers fans are going to have to go to yeah, and but Buffalo's kind of an honorary Canadian team. Yes. Too. You know, I mean. Uh, they are the home of the Blue Jays. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, too. Hey, you want, you want to know something? The Blue Jays stopped playing good as soon as they moved back to Toronto. When they were in Buffalo, Vlad Guerrero was an MVP candidate, and all of a sudden he's he's been, he's been uh, you know. Buffalo. Mike, Mike, you know they don't want the Leafs to feel bad. No, and, and by, by the way, by, by the way, um, in spite of the fact that the Sabres are going to be challenging in the Shane Wright sweepstakes, that doesn't mean that they're not going to win that game because it doesn't matter how good or how bad the Sabres are, they always beat the Leafs. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, yeah, we're done. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't say don't say another word, Karen, because we know we know what what you're going to say. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Wait, what about the Dallas prospects? We we're not. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I I apologize, Russ. Please yeah, so, give us give us your two Dallas Dallas Stars prospects. All right. One of them is Maverick Borg, <laughs> and he's a terrific center. This is a guy who's got a lot of speed through the neutral zone. He can play a lot of minutes. His fitness level is terrific. He's got a great shot. The stick and puck control is really good. And he had a nice little showing last year. He only got to play in six AHL games, um, but he did, and he and he had five points. Uh, this year, he may be able to stay in the AHL even at 19 if they. Now, there's a there's talk. There was talk that they already passed the temporary thing, letting players um, if they played over a certain amount of games in the AHL stay there. Uh, I don't know if that's happened. I We were talking about it at camp, and someone said it did, and I wasn't sure. So I'm not sure if they passed that yet or not or if it's definite. But if they do, a guy like Maverick Bork will stay in the AHL and actually gain traction from doing it because he really was scoring like two years ago. He was at 71 points in 41, 49 games in the queue. So he's a guy that could really benefit from this. Again, not the biggest center of 5'11", but he does – you don't really notice it. 
and he doesn't shy away from anything, but really the speed is the key with him. And he's a goal scorer as well as a playmaker. So that's, that's a really good player for them to have. Uh, another one is Anthony, one of Anthony's favorites, um, Stan Coven. And the thing about Stan Coven, Logan Stan Coven is he's a smaller center. He's around five, eight, five, nine. Uh, but again, he's got a pro body. He, he is a guy who is very sturdy. Now I get that there's not a lot of five foot eight centers in the league. I get it, but he could be one. And I wouldn't count this guy out. He's really good in international play. He's got a hard, fast wrist shot. He, um, he plays in the corners. He's one of those guys that gets it because he's a smaller guy knows that he has to do everything better. But again, this is two centers and it's hard to find centers. And I think they found one that's a definite uh, star potential and one that I think could be an everyday NHL or so this is good for them. Good for Dallas. Good job. Okay. Um, we will be with Corinne. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate Hi. your uh, perspective on the Kotkin Yemi situation. And maybe we'll have you on again next week when we have a resolution to it. I'll be there. Okay. Uh, for Kevin Allen, for Corinne Hines, for uh, Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Jello broadcasting from Canada's southernmost province. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and remember, without the buzz, it's just hot. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.